0: one days are going to do. I want to, um, I'm, I don't believe I'm going to preach long today, and um, I just want to preach, uh, I just got one, two, three, four, five passages, five verses, one sheet of notes, okay? I should tell you where I'm headed here. Short verse today. Short, short sermon today. I, I want to talk to you today about something God is able to do. I'm going to read uh, just my opening text here: First Samuel 16 and seven. Brother, brother Jan, I don't know if I'm going to stay in that particular order with all the verses today, so you might have to be a little more sharp than normal and uh, make sure. If I jump around, just bear with me. If he doesn't put it up, don't stone brother Stephen. Don't stone our Stephen. Uh, there you go. There. Yeah, uh, Stephen. Don't get me started. I want to read 1 Samuel 16. Let's all stand. We're going to stand one more time. Welcome to a Pentecostal church. You don't stay seated long. 1 Samuel sixteen seven. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him." Here's something we need, to, we need to get into our souls right now. This last bit of this text. The Lord sees. Okay? Say, the Lord seeth. Amen. The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, yes. but the Lord looketh on the heart. Okay. My title is just real simple. He sees you. Amen. He sees you. And I, I hope I can bring a little more gravity to that statement today as I, as I ask us to bow our heads together one more time in prayer and ask God to speak to our hearts and our lives and, and really show us what who we need to be. Let's just go ahead and do that right now. Dear God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your covering. Thank you for your keeping. Thank you, Lord, for watching over us as you allowed us to make it here safely. You knew who would be in attendance this morning. You knew every ear that would be in this place, but now I ask you to help us open up our ears open up our hearts to your word i pray soften the soils of our life that your word take root strengthen me your preacher today we thank you together we give you praise we give you glory and honor in your name we pray in jesus name amen amen clap your hands into the lord one more time thank the lord hallelujah thank you jesus praise god you may be seated in jesus name i um I'm a parent, as you know, and, and uh, I've noticed certain seasons of my parenting. And I've also noticed other parents and how they parent. I think all parents do that. they They, they evaluate their parenting skills by the next parent. Am I right? Some of us, some of us, uh, uh, we all have those kids, and this is where you really grade if you're a good parent or not. You do a little, a little more kind of self reflection. It's any time you go to a store and your little toddler is screaming and throwing a tantrum, and you see those parents. How many of you have witnessed those parents with those children doing those things, right? How many of you would be honest and say my kid may have been that kid, you know, wallowing in the grocery? aisle I don't know but we see those moments it's a moment where every parent looks over they understand what's going on and they think within their head if that was my kid boy I would pick that kid up and do some fill in the blank but turn around that same parent will walk few aisles down and their kid will act the fool And they will do nothing. They will pretty much resemble the same actions of the parent that they casted judgment on. It's one of those moments as a parent where I speak, get the moat out of your eye. Get that thing out of your eye before you judge somebody else. Because here lies the greatest problem with parenting your children, is the way you judge your children opposed to other children. We happen, as parents, to see through a certain type of lens. We really focus on looking at our kids in a certain type of light. Some of us choose to put on certain prescriptions that only show the good in our kid, that only see the pleasant, that only see the sweetness, the kindness, and the joy. We, we, we're not really good as parents putting on real glasses and a real look of seeing the wrong and the error and the problems that are happening within that child. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that I'm, I'm speaking generally. I, I know that parents have to have some moments of reality and understand those things. But let's be really, really true with ourselves today and say, parents, there are times you bought your kids for a Christmas present, an ugly outfit, and you thought it was the cutest. They looked like a clown as you took them out, but no one is, is strong enough or bold enough to tell you the truth. Why? Because you choose to look through a certain lens of good. Can I just say this? You're the same way with your own life. You will look at your life through the lens of only good more than you do bad. It's called moral licensing. It's about saying, you know what? I ate my vegetables right now. I'm I've I ordered my dinner. I've I've I, I've got I got this I got the salad with my meal. I've got you know I've got those things. I can I've earned myself the cheesecake at the end of the meal. I've earned myself you know. The stop at the gas station and buy some coffees and cappuccinos and and, and and buy some snacks and all those things because I had a salad for lunch. How many of you are a diet coke drinker in here today? You are the person I'm talking about. You will order the biggest pasta that is soaked in the thickest of cream sauces, and you will say, Oh boy. I better not overdo it. Diet Coke, please. We walk away from the dinner saying, you know what? I watched what I eat today. I had a Diet Coke. We're the same way even spiritually sometimes. We walk into church and we think nothing is wrong with us because we helped somebody move. Or we did something good the other day. Or I made sure I didn't leave my trash can out all week like some of my neighbors do. We, 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 we correlate our goodness, our righteousness by simple acts of deeds that we check off boxes saying, I did well, I did well, I did that. Therefore, I am good. I am honest. I am pure. But if truth be told, if we were to look at ourselves with the same way God looks at ourselves, right. it would paint a totally different picture. My opening text is a a, a text found in First Samuel, and Samuel is he is he's selecting he's selecting kings. My God, that's that's a message in itself. How God selects kings. But here, Samuel is judging on the outward. He's judging on the exterior, what he sees. But he wants us to know that, listen, I don't see like you see. I see your heart. I see a thing that's hidden from everybody else, but only you can see. In my study recently in Amos chapter 9, if you could put that text up, God quickened my soul and my spirit and showed me a a real honest way of how he looks at me. He says, "Through As though they go into captivity before their enemies, thence will I command the sword, and it shall slay them. But this is powerful. I will set mine eyes upon them for evil and not for good. He is making the choice to put his eyes and his focus and only look at their evil and only look at their wrong and set their eyes and just the way I look. I'm not, even though you are good, even though you have good in you, I'm choosing not to look at that. I'm ignoring all the, the A pluses you got in school, but I'm staring at the Fs and the Ds and I'm staring at the truancies. I'm, I'm seeing only the error and the wrong in your life. In that same chapter he the, the the Bible makes even another point in verse 8. Put that text up there. He says that behold the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom. His eye still looks upon sin. It, it is. He sees it. It is evident. It is something that cannot be hidden. And I hope that somebody in here today is a little bit more quickened today than they were yesterday. Amen. I hope somebody today will will have a moment because this 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 is a real real moment real moment scripture that I'm telling you right now that I've I've lived it and I've seen it. Numbers chapter thirty two and twenty three. I'm just going to read the last part of it. It says, Behold, be sure your sin will find you out. I may, you know, I'm may. i just going to repeat a story that I've talked about before. Every time, I, uh, every time I see this text, my soul quickens me immediately to a time when I was about 18, 17 years old. Probably 18. A friend of mine who grew up in church with me. He became a preacher. He went to Bible college and he was, I remember he was a few years older than me. I was, when I got into uh, high school, I was a freshman, he was a senior. I sat with him and uh, at, the, at the lunch table. He kind of took me under his wing, I admired him. I, he, after he left college, he, he, or after he left high school, he went to Bible college and there he, he devoted his life to God, became a preacher. Came back home to our home church, preached incredible messages. And, hey, you know, we picked up, you know, hanging out all the time. I just wanted to I wanted to hang around preachers. And so he was one of them. And then so I'm grateful that he would for his kindness. And I just remember us being close and and those things. But there were times we would always hang out and meet with each other and do do absolutely nothing because, you know, just hanging out. And we went to a restaurant one night and, and after that we left, I, I remember getting in my car and I said, I'll see you tomorrow. And I remember him saying the same thing. And I, I, I went home and I remember driving towards my home and I know the way he lived, but I just noticed that he took a different turn and he went a different way. And I thought to myself, well, that's a dumb way to go home. That's, that doesn't make any sense. I'm thinking, oh, if you know my friend, that guy doesn't do a lot that makes sense. So I thought that's just his typical MO. He's probably going to see something else. Later that night, it is 3 in the morning, I am on the phone with my girlfriend. And I remember talking with my girlfriend late in the night, and so I probably was 19 at this time, because that, that if we were together, because I remember us having a long conversation back in the day, how many of you remember talking to the person you liked for hours? How many of you would fall asleep with the phone, right? So my, my parents had this one phone in the house, and I had to uh, it was a. Uh, I I actually bought it because I, I didn't want to have the, the cord. How many you remember the cord? <laughs> Yeah. Right, the cord, but we would we would upgrade the cord that would like reach here to like Camden. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then when you'd hang it up, this cord would wind up and have a thousand knots in it. Yeah. Right. And you would you those are the days because you couldn't hide being on the phone. But man, if you had a sibling that hated your life, they'd just hang up on you. You could be in the closet upstairs, you know, third floor. And the phone's downstairs. You are just, that's, but I I paid a little bit of extra money to get the the cordless. Because I would take that phone and I would go up to my room and I would talk to my girlfriend. And I remember just talking to her. It was real late at night. And, you know, it, my girlfriend would tell me how much she loved me and adored me. All those things. And I would be in agreement. And, and so I, I actually, to tell you the truth, I think we had an argument that night. And I remember being frustrated and flustered and hanging up the phone and both of us hung up. And so I'm up at three o'clock. This is why I'm up at three o'clock. And all of a sudden the phone rings again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if you know anything about living with your parents and especially my parents, you do not let any noise happen after a certain amount of time. So I jump on this phone like a, like a, like a bomb is about to go off. I answer it really quickly. And I think it's my my girlfriend calling to apologize and tell me how, how wrong she was it was actually my friend who I saw earlier that day he says hey can you help me and I'm like bro it is 3am what are you what am I doing answering your phone call and what are you doing calling me he goes bro I need you to come help I need you to come pick me up at this precinct in this next town so I said okay so I hung up the phone, and I snuck downstairs, grabbed, grabbed the keys. I didn't own my car. I used my parents' car, so I took their car. I drove 45 minutes out to this precinct. And the entire time I'm driving, I'm telling you the truth, I'm laughing within myself. I, I am not thinking the, the worst things because the lenses I'm wearing because of the way I perceive my friend, the way I perceived his life, everything that he's done good is the only thing that I see. And as I'm driving, I'm laughing about how my guy got in this predicament. And I get to the precinct, and this is the most sobering moment in my life. And it's a, it's a place I will never forget that, that text in Numbers 32, 23. As I come to the door and I open up I I say I'm here to pick up so and so and they said okay he's coming right now when he came out he was about from me to Petros probably 10 feet it was like something punched me right in the face and it was the smell of all alcohol and it hit me and as I got closer I can it got worse and worse his eyes looked different His facial expression was different he kind of walked past me out the door and he walks over to my car and I'll never forget it he he leans over on the hood of my car weeping like I've never seen someone weep before and he says this statement it's true bro your sins will find you out as I'm smelling the alcohol on him, it's hitting me. It's, the, the lenses of a good is being cast aside, and I'm, I'm seeing him with a different focus. I'm seeing a hero of mine become the villain. I'm seeing somebody who is paired up with me in calling and duty. It's no longer with me anymore, and I'm seeing him become human. I remember this moment because I'll never forget the sober, the sobering statement that he said, uh, how true it was. Your sins will find you out. And this is why. Because you can't hide from God. You cannot come here. And with your moral licensing and with your Diet Cokes and believe that you did a good deed and come in here and believe that you're set for salvation. We can't ever come to a place and just check off boxes and say, I did good doing this, this, and this. I'm saved. I'm good. You don't got to worry about me. That's the biggest lie and the wrong lens we will ever look at ourselves in. We have to come to a place where we are transparent before God and allow God to be God and to see our heart. And as, as God sees our heart, that's how we need to see ourselves. We need to be real with ourselves and come to a place of prayer and altar and say, God, forgive me because he's constantly looking His eyes are on those who are evil and his eyes are on the sinful kingdom. He sees you doing those things at night. He sees you visiting those websites. He sees you taking that drug. He he sees you texting somebody you shouldn't be texting. He sees you in in a place where you think I'm hidden. I'm by myself. He sees you as you leave your friend and drive to the next town Believing that you can live it up and have no consequences. Be sure your sins will find you out. Because he sees them. He sees everything. But this is something I want us to really grip and grab a hold of today. If you could put that text up there, 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. Not only does he see the bad, I want you to grab a hold of this today. This is a wonderful text right here. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What is he searching for with his sight? He's searching, to, he's finding, trying to seek somebody to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. He's looking. I love how another translation, if you can put the other translation up there. He says that basically the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is why I want us to grab a hold of these texts here. It's because when we say, when we think about perfection, let's be honest, we struggle with that. But let me just say what perfection is. Perfection is commitment. You don't have to be flawless. You don't have to be wearing the perfect suit. You do not have to have the right, appropriate dress attire. You don't have to have the best car, the best home. You don't have to have the best hand up and praise and the best sound of worship. That's not what he's wanting. He's wanting commitment. And his eyes, even though his eyes are on a sinful nation, even though his eyes sees evil many times more than good, even though his eyes can look upon a heart, what he is searching for, what he is looking for constantly is somebody who has a perfect, committed heart to him. I ask myself today, is that me? With my mirage of issues I have in my life, that's, that's the real question right now. Some of us stop ourselves in really growing and moving ahead with God because we, again, believe we have to obtain perfection. Perfection is a different word in Scripture. We, none of us are perfect. All have what? Sin and come short of the glory of God. All of us. That's where I talked about it last week. Paul, he says, until my corruptible, corruptible, this is the apostle of the churches in that area. My man walks on water pretty much. His shadow heals people. This guy is amazing. And he says, this is corruptible. I'm imperfect. I don't have it all together. He'll write to the Philippian church, and 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 he this, this is incredible incredible to me. He'll write in his death death letters is what they are. He knows it's the end of the road. He knows it's it, but he will write this. This boggles my mind. A guy who's lived for Christ, a guy who literally laid he put in a basket and 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 and, and dropped down from Damascus so they wouldn't slaughter him. A guy who who, who survived shipwrecks. And all these types of things, a mirage of issues and problems his way, and just because he's, uh, he preaches the gospel. But he will say this Philippi, that I may know him. <laughs> How do you, what do you mean? That I may, don't you know him? You're Paul. He has a real way of looking at himself. He has a real, he has a real clarity, man. I want a clarity like Paul, who, who can write in Romans 7, that you know what? In me dwelleth no good thing. God, he was so oh, wretched, man, that I am. shall deliver me from this body of death. Man, what a transparency. What a what a what a way to actually take God's vision and look at yourself in. But God still, with all those things, He would call and look and treat Paul as perfect because Paul would be considered committed. We have to be committed. That's where our perfection lies. Listen, if you if you missed if you miss giving in your tithing one month, I'm not gonna no one in here is gonna beat you. You'll beat yourself. No one's perfect, but stay committed. Get back to giving to God. Oh, I miss I, I missed several services in a row because I had this to do, I had that to do, and let's be honest, we all make excuses. Just be committed. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. Just stay committed. Because God is searching. He sees you. He sees your commitment today. Here's what I love about why God searches the the committed. It's different. It's a different way of being looked at. God sees evil. God sees good. He looks upon the heart. But he searches the committed. Why? because the committed is able to do something no one else is able to do. This is such a big deal. You only understand this how many of you ever seen something a truth? How many of you ever maybe had a friend that had a heaviness and you were trying to be friendly to that person and you wanted to be a, a, you know someone consoling and you said, "Tell me. Tell me what it is." And they would say, "You don't want to know." And you said, no, no, I want to know, tell me. And when they utter the problem out, you're like, God, I didn't want to know that. Yeah. That, that thing, how, well, God doesn't know that. Can I tell you that? God has, has he can't experience not knowing your worst. Right. Wow. Right. It is so hard for God to ever look at you in perfect purity except, get this, except if he has somebody committed, James, oh man, you ever really study the word of God, you just get excited to talk about it, James 5, let's look at James 5, we put that text up here, look at this, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one converteth him, let him know, that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his ways, shall save a soul from death, and shall what hide, hide a multitude of sins. I'm, I'm going to use my <clears throat> my main man here, Caden. If you stand up and help me, buddy, Caden. Let's just pretend that he's a rank sinner. I know it's hard to believe, right? I don't know what that is. You're a terrible person. <laughs> Let's just say, Caden. Now, this is the truth, though. Ranked sinners look just like Caden. Okay? They look put together, handsome, I mean, blonde hair, blue, bluish eyes, green eyes. I mean, this kid is like destined to break hearts. And we look at this individual, we think, man, it, together. But God looks on the heart. Right. And the heart could be so deceiving and so deceitful and so so broken and so sin. It's just sin. It's ugliness. And But God sees it. God sees it. And he also sees the good. But he, it, it's a struggle. I will say this. Because, come on, I'm telling you right now. We all struggle with trying to even have relationships with somebody that we know the good and the bad with. But God will see the ugliness. But if he can find someone who's committed... Who sees the error of his ways and says, man, you've got, I'm telling you about a God who loves you. If you, if you can understand his blood, if you can understand the goodness of God, if you can understand that his blood will set you free, not only will it set you free, it will keep you, it will hide you, it it will help you in everything in life. Caden over here says, I want that blood. I want that blood in my life. And that blood becomes a covering. And this is what's so beautiful now. God doesn't see his sins anymore. Right, right. Praise God. Wow. The God who dictates who makes heaven and who makes hell. What am I trying to say? Judgment can't find him. Right. The judgment of sin can't find his life anymore because somebody who was committed, seen an error in his way, said, listen, I know how God sees all." Don't don't ever believe that secret sin. It's, it's going to be secret. Our sins will find us out. He We can't get anything past them. Can I tell you how hard it is to play hide and seek with God? But man, if I had somebody in my church who's committed, God, help us be committed. Oh, search for us. Search for commitment in our lives so we can hide people. So we can hide people from those things. Because what God can't see anymore, it's under that blood. Let's all stand. Thank you, sir. We're all given opportunities today. Different opportunities. Everyone is. Everyone had an opportunity to go down a certain road to get to church today, a certain path, a certain way. Some of you chose maybe a back road. Some of you chose maybe a highway. I don't know. Whatever way you chose, whatever direction you go, it was not hidden from God. Everything you do in life is not hidden from God. But if he can find a commitment in this house today... That committed person says, you know what? I love my family too much. I love my friends too much. I love my city so much. I'm burdened for them. I'll do anything to convert them, to do teach them a Bible study, help them see the power of, a, of the blood, to help them see that if you're buried in Jesus' name, that when you come out of that water, all those sins are cast into a sea of forgetfulness. Wow. Wow! I'll say this, church. I don't know if anybody here wants to be baptized and be committed and have your sins washed away. The water's ready. It's plugged in. The temperature's nice on this cold day. I made sure if anything's warm, that water's ready. I tell you this right now. Be somebody who's committed. Don't fool yourself today. I'm going to ask us if we could. Every head bowed. Every high closed. Hallelujah. I pray that you're sobered by this truth. Your sins will find you out. White lies are sins. Little things that we hide if you if you are hiding something today he sees you he sees you let me just also say this to you he sees you in your brokenness he sees you in your hurt he sees you in your sorrow you you can't hide from him but i'm asking somebody here is anybody willing to be committed willing to be sought after because that's who he seeks after he's searching his eyes are constantly gazing back and forth looking under rocks looking behind doors constantly searching this whole world for somebody who's desiring to be perfect in his sight somebody who's committed and trusting in him you don't have to have the best outfit on today you just have to be committed today Church, these altars are open. Choose who you want to be. Choose how you want to be seen today. And you can leave this place committed, engaged to help somebody in your family, engaged to help somebody in your job, your co-worker. Talk to them about Christ. Talk to them about his blood and how it truly saves, how it hides a multitude of sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Get in the flow of the Holy Ghost right now. Let that spirit lead you. Let it let it let it push you into an altar. Let it push you into commitment. Let it push you. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Be committed right now. Lord, have my heart, have my life, have my will. I want to live in that perfect will. Hallelujah. Jesus. Christ. If you were encouraged by this message, and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church, or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part.